Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Once again, as we begin, I want to encourage you, if the Holy Spirit leads you, please go to our website at threshermediagroup.com and donate. We are a public charity, and your donations are tax-deductible, and they will be greatly appreciated. With that said, let's start with episode 65. Revelation 8, verses 6 through 9. In our last podcast, we covered the opening of the seventh seal, which leads to the seven trumpet judgments. There was a weird and eerie silence in heaven immediately before the opening of the seal, indicating that with the beginning of the seven trumpet judgments, all hell will break loose as the supernatural begins a massive invasion of our natural realms. There was fire and incense and prayers of the saints and peals of thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. Lots of heavenly drama. As we unveiled the seven trumpet judgments, we saw a synonymity of events, an intricate composition of images, pictures, or code describing the coming of the kingdom of the beast and the workings of the false prophet. Things are burned up, turned to blood, marked for death, made bitter, rotted out, and so much becomes darkened such that even the darkness is darkened and without light. This is quite the progression of destruction which paints the picture of the life of those who harden their hearts toward agape love and to the things of God and choose to join the kingdom of the beast, a kingdom marked by hatred, violence, and slaughter. But make no mistake, it all depicts the time when the kingdom of the beast is ushered into our world. With that, let's move forward into the seven trumpet judgments. The seven trumpets. Revelation 8, 6. And the seven angels who are now having the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. I want to note that these angels even now have these trumpets in hand, and they have prepared themselves to sound. The point is that Yahweh is bringing forth his plan, plan A. None of what is happening is a reaction to God being caught off guard by the terrible sin of mankind. Rather, it is all pursuant to a plan that he has revealed all throughout the Codex, and of which he has prepared all all the necessary details, players, etc. Trumpet number one. Given that according to the code, the number one is the number signifying unity, we should expect to see matters that deal with unity or something that is uniform. Revelation 8-7. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire, having been mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The Great Apostasy The imagery here is difficult to comprehend. Hail and fire, having been mixed with blood, was thrown to the earth, resulting in one-third of the earth having been burned up, one-third of the trees, and all the green grass being burned up. The image of the hail and the fire brings us back into the Codex to the famed Exodus and the seventh plague which Yahweh unleashed upon Egypt when he was freeing his people from Egyptian bondage. With the exception of the Israelites who lived in Goshen, every man, woman, and animal that was found out in the open field 
was killed by this plague. Their blood was spilled by the plague of hail and fire. Exodus 9, 24 through 25. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as had not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. According to the Codex, hail has always been an instrument and symbol of divine justice. According to the book of Job, Yahweh has storehouses of hail, which he has reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle. This imagery, however, has both a literal and a figurative use. Literal, hail, and fire. Yahweh brought a judgment of hail against Egypt when he gave them hail for rain, flaming fire in their land. And he gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their heads to bolts of lightning. Later, he brought a similar judgment to the Amorites, where more Amorites died from hail than from battle with the Israelites. He also threatened Assyria with a judgment of hail. And Yahweh will cause his voice to be heard and the descending of his arm to be seen in fierce anger and in the flame of a consuming fire in cloudbursts, downpour, and hailstones. For at the voice of Yahweh, Assyria will be terrified when he strikes with the rod. According to the prophet Ezekiel, he will also utilize these weapons against Gog and Magog when they evade the land of Israel. Speaking of Gog, Yahweh said, I will rain on him and on his troops and on the many people who are with him a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Figurative hail and fire. The image is also used figuratively in speaking of the judgment of Judah. The hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. Servants of Yahweh, make no mistake, hail and fire are Yahweh's servants. Behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent as a storm of hail, a tempest of destruction. Praise the Lord from the earth, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. The addition of fire to the hail is likely to be understood as a divine marker as these two elements do not naturally mix, except in the awesome hand of Yahweh. In effect, hail pulverizes, breaks up, threshes, shatters, and damages as it hits. Next, the fire consumes the pulverized and broken pieces. And in this instance, before this judgment of hail and fire is cast to the earth, we are told that it is mingled with blood. This is not something that is read and used as an idiom for blood, and it is not something that is a natural occurrence that will leave red traces in the ground. Moreover, the blood is not a result of the damage done by the hail and the fire, but it all comes together as one package of judgment, hail, fire, and blood. And being rendered in the perfect passive participle, God himself mingled the hail and fire with blood sometime in the past, and it has a continuing or ongoing present effect. This again reveals that God is carrying out plan A and is not just reacting to circumstances. He has prepared all his implements of judgment. The blood. In the Codex, blood was used to sanctify things, to set them apart for a specific and exclusive purpose. With that said, this blood marks those who are pummeled by the hail and consumed by the fire, a mark that indicates that they belong to the kingdom of the beast. In the same way that God ensured that his people were marked for protection, those who are opposed to God will be marked for destruction. As stated before, there is no mention of any damage done by the hail. It is implied. 
as the focus is on the fire which burns up a third of the earth, a third of the trees, and all the green grass. Nor is there any mention of the blood. But our attention, again, is given to the earth, the trees, and all the green grass, as opposed to the dry brown grasses of the earth that would easily burn. Viewing this passage through the code, one-third of the institutions of man, political, corporate, financial, etc., a third of the great leaders of man, and 100% of all those who still have some sort of spiritual life within them will be pulverized by the hail, burned up by the fire, and marked by the blood. Perhaps this is a reference to the called of God, those in God's household who have yet to make the choice to be a chosen one of God. Whatever circumstances are unleashed and imaged in the hail, perhaps something like a virus that will not end, but keep mutating and impacting humanity, or something which causes ongoing economic destruction, it will be so devastating and relentlessly pummeling that the spiritual life within the souls of mankind are consumed or burned up in the agony and pain. Leaders will fail us, and mankind will be so weakened that they will cling to that which seems strong and mighty in hopes of withstanding the terror of the Lamb. But being marked by blood, they are set apart for destruction. With all the green grass being burned up, I believe we are seeing the groundwork laid for the great apostasy, the falling away of those who once belonged to the kingdom of God. Not all the grass becomes apostate, but it will be beat down and spiritually consumed or exhausted, such that many who are marked by blood will fall away. We will see this more vividly in the image of the sea creatures who had life, but they died when something like a great mountain was thrown into the sea. Trumpet number one revisited. Given that according to the code, the number one is the number signifying unity, we were expecting to see activity that focused on unity or uniformity. With the first trumpet, there is a unity amongst all those who have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. For they are sanctified by the blood of judgment. They are set apart such that their practical life is severely damaged and their spiritual life is shattered and burned up in agony and pain. Trumpet number two. Given that according to the code, the number two signifies the number of division and witness, we should expect to see something that divides and bears a witness. Revelation 8, 8 through 9. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain, now having been caused to be burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and are now having life died. And a third of the ships were caused to be thoroughly rotted. The kingdom of the beast. The first thing I want to point out is that this image of a mountain is code, as the text says that something like a great mountain, not that it is a great mountain. And according to the code, mountains are pictures of kingdoms and their kings, like a mountain. This might surprise you, but the kingdom of the beast currently exists, for it is now being caused to be burning. However, it is yet to be hurled into the sea. In other words, it is yet to be thrust into the physical realms of humanity. But this mountain is on fire, like a volcano that is ready to blow. And when it is thrust into our world, literally, all hell begins to break loose. The reality of this kingdom, now existing, is revealed in a very shocking way in Revelation 13. When the Spirit addresses those who take on the mark of the beast, 666, on their right hand or their forehead. The Spirit presents this as something that is happening even now. Contrary to the fiction that is prevalent in our day and age, this is not an event of which we are waiting to happen. According to the Spirit of God, every moment of our now, people are being marked by the command of the false prophet, who represents the beast. 
the demonic spirit who is even now active in our world and will one day possess the man we call the Antichrist. His name is the Destroyer or Destruction. By the way, the false prophet is also a demonic entity, and he is called the beast that arises from the earth, whereas the beast, the destroyer, arises from the sea, the place in which his kingdom is thrust. The earth and the sea are key distinctions that give us insight into these two spiritual beasts and how they function. The beast from the earth, the false prophet, functions in and through the institutions of mankind, the mechanisms of the earth. He is the -the behind-the-scenes spirit which causes the institutions of mankind to move in division to the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed why it seems like there is this huge worldwide conspiracy amongst the financial, political, educational, judicial, and media institutions of man, and so on, moving in opposition to God? It does not take much analysis to conclude that there is clearly an odd collective, synchronous move to destroy all that has been built on the principles of the codex. Well, that is the behind the scenes work of this false prophet who even now causes people to be marked on the forehead or the right hand, the mark of the beast, 666. The beast from the sea, the destroyer, arises from the restless masses of humanity, from amongst the rumbling of the nations, from the places in which world empires are created. In fact, the kingdom of the beast and its king are identified by the prophet Daniel as the fourth and final world empire that arises amongst the nations of the world. The prophet states that he saw the four winds of heaven. We remember those guys from Revelation 7. Stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts were coming out from the sea, different from one another. The fourth beast was dreadful, terrifying, and extremely strong, with large iron teeth. As such, this fourth and final kingdom will be different than all the kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. This kingdom that is thrust into the sea is identified by two significant attributes. It is great, mega, and it is even now burning with fire. Thus, this image is never to be trivialized or marginalized. It is great, and its purpose is to consume the way fire consumes flesh. And the burning never stops. It keeps going and going. This continual burning images for us the desire for conquest, fiery assaults, and its overall devastating impact as it radically and suddenly assaults the people of the world. Hence the imagery of this kingdom being thrown violently into the sea. The false prophet, the beast that arises from the earth, has been preparing the world for the arrival of the kingdom of the beast. And when it comes, it will be sudden, and its impact on the sea, the restless masses of wicked humanity, immediate. Daniel saw the coming of this kingdom, images a great beast, and it terrified him. Daniel 7, 7 through 8. After this, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. Daniel seven nineteen through 25 Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, 
and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horns which came up, and before which three of them fell, namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth, uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, will devour the whole earth, and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the Most High, and wear down the saints of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in time and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. And it is for this reason that this something like a mountain burning with fire is great. This is a kingdom of darkness and evil ruled by a beast, and his kingdom is deadly in more ways than we can imagine. It is unlike any other kingdom or empire that has ever existed in this world. Not only does it devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it, but this kingdom also wages war against the bondservants of Christ, the saints of the highest one. And this kingdom assigns those who follow it to death, to the same eternal doom which the beast, the false prophet, and Satan will face, the second death. The Codex contains another allusion to this great mountain and a prophecy given about Zerubbabel. Historically, Zerubbabel was the governor over Judea when the people returned to Israel after their exile in Babylon, and he served contemporaneously with the prophet Haggai. Zerubbabel, however, provides us a picture of one who will have a powerful role as Yahweh's signet ring when he, Yahweh, once again shakes the earth. The prophecies pertaining to Zerubbabel provide us a glimpse into a key character that will have a prominent role in the end times. It is said of this one, Zerubbabel, that this great mountain will not conquer him. In fact, Zerubbabel will be like a threshing instrument that will ultimately tear through this mountain such that it will become a plain. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Then he said to me, This is the word of Yahweh to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. This implies that the message of Zerubbabel will bring forth the top stone or capstone, which is an idiom of Jesus, with shouts of grace, grace to it. In other words, his message will be that the lives of the bondservants of Jesus Christ are to be lived in 100% dependence upon the what God does for us, and what he does through us. Remember, grace is a fixed equation, 100% God and 0% man. Thus, grace to the Gentile and grace to the Jew. Grace, grace. It is a comfort to know that although this is something like a great mountain, it is not indomitable, and there will be those who overcome its force and impact through the grace of Jesus Christ. The sea. And something like a great mountain now having been caused to be burning with fire was thrown into the sea. As far as the metaphor of the sea, Jude says that ungodly men, 
the apostates, are like wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam. Isaiah says that the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quieted, and its waters toss up refuse and mud. The prophet Isaiah also refers to the seas as the rumbling of the nations. And Revelation speaks of the restless conditions of the nations from which the kingdom of the beast will arise. Therefore, we know that the sea is a picture of the unsettled and wicked masses of humanity which toss and turn amongst the nations. Therefore, there's a high probability that in this scene, we see the kingdom of the beast establish its power during a tumultuous time amongst the nations. It is suddenly thrown into the sea and takes its position among the nations and in an extremely fast and cataclysmic way. Hence the picture of this kingdom being thrown or hurled into the sea. The spirit of the Antichrist. Keep in mind, although the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit that is a demon-type angelic creature known as the beast, whose name is the destroyer, although he is active even today, his power and intention is limited due to his internment in the abyss. Hence, the kingdom of the beast is prepared and established before its king is released from its internment. And although his kingdom comes with a dramatic entry as it is thrust in this world, impacting a third of the world, clearly his kingdom does not instantly take over the whole world. According to Job and Daniel, it's a progression that accelerates once the beast is released from the abyss. Using imagery of the animal kingdom from the book of Job, first this kingdom and the man who fronts it, the Antichrist, emerges like a hawk. In other words, like a hawk, it attacks with tremendous speed and tears its way to position and prominence. It will be a messy and violent, but effective as it gains its foothold in this world's political system and begins to have a global impact. However, when the beast, whose name is Destroyer or Destruction, is finally released from the abyss and possesses the man, the Antichrist, this kingdom becomes secured in power and authority over the kingdoms of this world. And its attack becomes more akin to the precision and hammering ferocity of the eagle. The dark king will at that time be in control of its kingdom. The real game changer, however, comes when Lucifer, imaged as a dragon, gives his power, throne, and great authority over the world and the spiritual kings of this world to the beast. It is then that this dark king, the beast, and his kingdom are in effect supercharged into the fourth global empire. In Daniel, we are told that the beast rises to power amidst a coalition of 10 kings or kingdoms. He is the 11th, which is a reference to the spiritual kings of the earth who rule the kingdoms of man. The beast violently topples or uproots three kings in this coalition and takes over their positions, so he becomes the eighth in this coalition. Being stuck in our practical and material lives, it's difficult for us to remember that behind the world's kings and rulers are demonic kings or princes, which are the true rule and power behind the earthly kingdoms. And it is for this reason that we never, never hear of the man we call the Antichrist in the entire book of Revelation, but only the demonic spirit that possesses the man. For this spirit, the beast, is the true power behind the kingdom of the Antichrist. And this narrative is revealed from the view of the heavenlies, the invasion of the spiritual into our physical world, and not the other way around. Once again, in this image of something like a great mountain being thrown into the sea, the kingdom of the beast first enters the world. 
and its kingdom is established among the restless masses of wicked humanity. And it does so with a huge splash, so to speak, one that impacts a third of the sea or a third of the nations. Sea to blood. And a third of the sea became blood. Or given this imagery of the blood, a third of the sea becomes indelibly marked for sacrifice, for destruction. Clearly, this is a picture, and it is to be understood consistent with the imagery of the sea being a picture of the restless masses of wicked humanity and all the tumult amongst the nations. In other words, upon the initial entry of the kingdom of the beast into this world, one-third of wicked humanity, or one-third of the governmental institutions that drive the tumult among the nations, will join with this kingdom and thereby be marked for destruction or sacrifice. Death to the sea creatures. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and are now having life died. This is a very odd statement. Think about it. Why would the Spirit make a point about the death of those creatures in the sea who are now having life? Was he contrasting them from creatures in the sea who are now dead? And did those who are now having life bleed out so much blood that one-third of the sea became blood? Is there enough blood in one-third of the sea creatures to fill the sea with blood? Clearly, these are nonsensical questions, as the Spirit was not speaking literally, but in code. The Spirit gives us another picture in code that is practically synonymous with the prior image of the green grass, but markedly different due to their location. Unlike the green grass that was on the earth, and which spoke of people who still had an active spiritual life, at least right up to the point that they get pummeled and burned by the kingdom of the beast as that is thrust into our world, these creatures who are even now alive are in the sea. In other words, they have their dwelling place among the restless masses of wicked humanity or among the rumbling of the nations, the place from which world empires arise, including this fourth empire of the beast. This indicates that this image is addressing people whose livelihood is made in the realm of global politics or wicked humanity, whether they are found in political office, administrative, judicial, military, or a myriad of other roles impacting the tumultuous relationship of nations, these sea creatures who are even now living are real people with spiritual life still within them. But when this something like a great mountain that is thrust in the sea, one third of those who are now living died for a third of the sea became blood. This is likely a picture of the very first followers of the beast, the people from governments, military, and political groups operating amongst the nations who deliberately choose to join the beast and are therefore marked by blood, marked for destruction. Once again, the code provides us the crucial information to understand this picture. When we are told that one-third of the sea became blood, became is rendered in the aorist middle indicative. In other words, with the use of the middle voice, we know that these people dig down deep in their soul and make a choice to become marked for destruction. No one forces them. Rather, eagerly, they join forces with the beast. As such, the spiritual life that they once had completely dies as they choose to be aligned with the kingdom of the beast. Rotting ships. And a third of the ships were caused to be thoroughly rotted. It should not surprise us that on this great tumultuous sea of humanity, we would find ships. Ships are used to sail amongst the nations. We'll find, however, that according to the Codex, these are ships which function in the realm of religion and are associated with ministries that become very rich by the wealth of religion. 
imaged as the woman who rides or chooses to even now be sitting on the beast, and who is also called Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. But it is interesting to note that these ships or ministries are not destroyed by the entrance of the kingdom of the beast, as most translations render this statement. And that tends to imply a sudden destruction due to the crash of this something like a great mountain into the sea. Rather, they are thoroughly rotted because according to the Greek, they have been caused to rot and decay. The spirit is clearly addressing a spiritual condition that has been developing for such a long time. Rot and decay take a very long time to consume a vessel. In other words, this is not a sudden reaction or response to the something like a great mountain being thrust into the sea. The implication is that when this great mountain falls into the sea, when the kingdom of the beast arises, when people need an escape or a means by which they can safely navigate this tumultuous time, these vessels of ministry will be worthless, for they will have become thoroughly rotted through and through. This is likely associated with a great apostasy, as there will be Christian institutions that once identified with Jesus as fishers of men who become part of the kingdom of the beast. In fact, they are those who will lead the persecution of the chosen. It should not surprise us to realize that many who claim to believe and say they call on the name of God will worship this false Messiah, the beast, and thereby seal their fate in blood. Many religious institutions and ministries have been rotting for so many years that when this kingdom arrives, they will be useless to save the lives or the spiritual condition of those who are now living, but who will soon die. Trumpet number two revisited, giving that according to the code, the number two signifies the number of division and witness. We saw the spiritual division that is caused by the kingdom of the beast as it divides humanity between those who are dead and marked for destruction and those who have some life remaining within their being. The witness is clear. If you choose to be marked with blood, you will be destroyed. Let us stop here and we'll pick up in our next podcast with the blowing of the third trumpet judgment. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in.